Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast, our 2017 NFL Draft Quick Reaction with all sorts of new information that we have and insights that we have from the conclusion of the 2017 NFL Draft. And with me on the phone is Ryan Whitfield, Senior Staff Writer. I'm Hakun Wong, Editor-in-Chief, Football Garbage Time. So, Ryan, uh, <laughs> I have to ask you, because we had a lot of interesting ha- things happen in the later rounds and the earlier rounds. What do you think? When you grade this draft compared to other drafts you've seen, what would you give it? I know, give it a, on a scale of uh, 0 to 100, 100 being the best. How would you rate this year's draft? I'd put it at 95. You know, the only thing we were missing was a uh, was a top prospect smoking out of a gas mask just before draft. So, um, <laughs> right. aside from that, I bought you know uh, tons of trades, a lot of a lot of bad trades. We'll get to your boys. Um, I'm, I'm sure at some point in this podcast. Uh, but um, you know, a lot of a lot of action even in the later rounds. You know, you know partly you know partly because of my Patriots there uh, wheeling a deal in the final the final day of the draft year. So um, yeah, yeah, you know, I thought all in all it was an interesting yeah. draft and. Uh, I think there's some good controversial picks here, and I think there's a lot of good steals um, of picks. Yeah. So uh, definitely definitely one of the more entertaining drafts I can remember. Yeah, I, I agree. I think this is definitely one of the best drafts, definitely one of the best first rounds ever, and probably one of the best all-over drafts that I've seen because of a lot of strategic moves here and there, some good, some bad. Uh, and we'll get to all those with uh, some highlights from the 2017 NFL draft. So let's get it kicked off. All right, so the first thing I want to talk about is someone you were talking about earlier, and that's Kevin King, uh, the defensive back. And he ended up getting taken in the the very beginning of the second round and went to the Green Bay Packers. Now, two things I want to point out here. This was a a historic run of defensive backs uh, slash cornerbacks. Uh, Within the first two rounds, 11 defensive backs were selected, and the Packers actually were aggressively looking to get Kevin King. I know it's someone you like, so tell us about that. What do you think about the Kevin King selection? What do you think about this run on defensive backs in the first two rounds of the draft? Yeah, I thought, um, you know, I thought there was a lot of, uh, you know, obviously we we, we knew going into it it was going to be a deep uh, defensive back draft. Um, The the cornerbacks I'm fine with. Um, going deep, uh, heavy on cornerbacks. You know, one of the points we'll touch on at some point, uh, I'm sure, is the, the, the Jets. Um, I just don't believe in the strong safety position enough to be drafting safeties that high. Uh, but specifically when it comes to Kevin King, you know, I can't believe uh, where he fell. I think that's an absolute steal for the Packers. Right. Um, he's, he is one of my three, if not my top, he's definitely my top three of the corners coming out in this draft. Um, right. And... For him to go after somebody like Adoree Jackson, which Adoree Jackson, the way the chips fell, shouldn't have been a first-round pick. I took him in the first round of our mock draft only because I took Kevin King earlier in the mock draft. So Kevin King wasn't <laughs> right. sitting there on the board for me when, when I took Adoree Jackson late in, late in our mock draft. So the fact that somebody like Adoree, who's undersized and is definitely a project player, uh, was taken before somebody like Kevin King, who I think is a more polished NFL-ready. I mean, Kevin King's the kind of guy um, that can come right in and uh, – and you know, just uh, lead you right away, and you'd be you'd be being the top end corner. You know, I I, I compare him to like a Marcus Peters, um, who's yep. going to come in and have a very good first season. Um, but you know, there's always one. Uh, I'm forgetting his name now. Uh, too many names flying through my head this weekend. But the the Clemson <laughs> uh, 
the Clemson corner me and you were super high on last year that fell all the way to the second round too. And, and we right, saw the right, likes right. of Artie Burns getting drafted before him. Um, so, yeah. you know, there's always one guy, um, and I guess this year it was Kevin King, but uh, the Packers are going to reap the benefits on that, and the rest of the league's going to kick themselves in the butt later on. Well, you know, they, he did. He was drafted first uh, in the second round, so that made a lot of sense, actually, and the Packers definitely went up. And, and they probably were in your camp. They were thinking to themselves, wow, I can't believe that this guy is available still and outside of the first round. Let's get him while we can with our second-round pick. So I, I don't think there's any doubt that he has a lot of the tools and a lot of the physical skill set in order to become very successful in the NFL, and that really showed. And I think it's an excellent value for the Packers, as much as I hate them and, <laughs> and wish they would do poorly. I thought that was a pretty big move. Let me turn to another guy who you liked really um, a lot. And then if anybody listened to the last two or three shows, I think it was pretty clear that this is one of the one of the guys that you thought should have gone even higher than he did. And uh, that's Delvin Cook, who went to the Vikings in the second round at 41st overall. So tell us a little bit about that. How did you feel about Delvin Cook? First of all, going in the second round at 41st overall, but secondly, going to the Minnesota Vikings. I want to scream. I, I cannot <laughs> believe that this man fell all the way to the 40s. I'm... This is one of those that I'll, I'm going to pound my chest on for years to come. In three years, in three seasons, when, when he is easily the best running back to come out of this class. I, 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 you know, I, the fact that I was watching a pre-draft show, and the fact that they were asking the LSU coach, uh, or one of, the L, one, of the, one of the guys from LSU, I forget if it was the head coach or not, but they're asking him about Leonard Fournette. And one of, the, one of the NFL Network panelists, and I forget who it was now, but he, he kind of looked at yeah. him and said, you know, do you think he can be successful, though, because his running style hasn't worked in the NFL for 20 years? If you have to ask the question, he's not a top 10 pick. If, if you wonder right. if his style still works in the NFL, how is he going top 10? Leonard Fournette is a one-trick pony. He is, he is that guy that everyone falls in love with. He's the, the, you know, the quarterback with the, with the big arm, you know, that, that, that stupid old right, cliche. Right. People fall in love with mm-hmm. his size. He's not versatile. Um, I don't think he has personally a very high football IQ. I, I don't see great vision out there. I see a guy who's big and who's fast and just uses his athleticism, which can carry you through the collegiate level. But when you get to the NFL, you have to have more than that. The, the person with the most versatility, the person who can do the most out of the backfield and in the backfield, and the person who has the best cuts, the best you know, field vision, and the guy who's played in the most high-leverage situations in college is Dalvin Cook. So, you know, I, I'm not going to sit here and talk about it anymore. I think an absolute filthy steal for the Vikings uh, in, the 40, in, in the 40s there to take him and it, and the, the reason you know that that wasn't a position of need they have you know i mean they know it's a backfield by committee but they just brought in latavius murray they just brought in uh, i mean they still have uh why can't i think of his name now um drawn a blank the the, uh, the the cast catcher there out of the backfield you know they, they already have two oh. guys in the backfield yep yeah so they already have two guys in the backfield yeah. so it wasn't a position of need but when you get there and you go, how the hell is Delvin Cook still on the board? You got to take the best player, and who cares if you have to cut Latavius Murray in camp? I don't care. You know, you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna, uh, Jarrett McKinnon. There we go. That's the name I'm trying to think of. Sorry, you, got, you already Jared have McKinnon, McKinnon right. and you already have, uh, and you just went and signed, you know, Latavius Murray in the off season, and now you bring him in only because of the fact you can't believe he's still sitting there. So it's right. he's going to be an absolute steal. I think that's a great upgrade for for their offense, um, and I think he could he could be a, you know a, a thousand yard rusher. Um, this season and, and give you a couple hundred yards receiving. And I think, I yeah, think he's going to be a game changer and he's the one you'll talk about. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I, I think the, the fit will be interesting there. You know, I think 
They'll let him compete a little bit, but I, they could use a little bit of running back by committee there. I mean, Latavius Murray clearly wasn't an every-down back when he was in Oakland. So having another running mate back there in Delvin Cook. I mean, Jarrett McKinnon, they've been talking about his upside for years. We've never seen it. Uh, I think maybe his time is going to be is limited, or perhaps he'll be uh, limited to just uh, you know change of pace type of down back, that kind of thing. Uh, I think that it could be an effective one-two type of combination here of Delvin Cook and, uh, and Latavius Murray. That It'll be interesting to see what they do with that. But you're right. It was a steal at 41 overall. And talking about running backs, let's move to another set of running backs, which one of which we talked about a little bit, and, and I know you how you feel about them, but it really kind of made me wonder about whether this made any sense or not, and that was the Panthers. The Carolina Panthers managed to select Christian McCaffrey in the first round. I know We all know how you feel about Christian McCaffrey in the first round. But then they turned around in the second round and got Curtis Samuel from Ohio State University. So that's two running backs. They went running back, running back. It's like they were in a fantasy draft. I didn't understand what was happening. Both of those guys are kind of pass-catching types. They're not really thumpers. So tell me, what do you think about that? What's up with the Carolina Panthers going running back, running back in the first two rounds of the NFL draft? And what does that mean for someone like Jonathan Stewart? Stupid. Absolutely stupid. (laughs) Um, You know, the the thing you hear, uh, you know, immediately the draft analysis was, well, they are in the NFC South, and they've seen how how great a two – you know, a, a two running back monster can be, you know, just looking down the street right. at, at Coleman and uh, Freeman and, um, you know, people cite the Patriots and Lewis and White. Um, what, are the, what, yep. what other things do those two teams have in common? Um, that they have more than Kelvin Benjamin at the receiving position. That's what they have in common. So that, that's cute that you get a couple guys out of the backfield. But if you don't have Julio Jones, Mohamed Sanu, uh, 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 Taylor Gabriel, uh, you know, out there to take attention away, how hard is it to key on two running backs? And you know what? Over the first couple of years, I think there's a lot of questions about how good Kelvin Benjamin can be. We've seen flashes, yeah. but the most, you know, the most, uh, the most important ability aside from durability is, is is your consistency. And he's been inconsistent, and he hasn't been durable. And so we're banking on that. And you know, for the way that Greg Olson plays the position, he's not young anymore. Um, Devin Funchess right. hasn't really materialized. So that's great. You have a couple running backs. Wee! What, I mean, what, what is, what is that going to get you with that receiving core? And and yeah. still. It should have gone high-end corner. I, I, I'll, yeah, you know, and this I isn't agree. a referendum on either one of those running backs. I think they're both good players, and I need to make some plays. Um, you know, yep. As much as I don't think McCaffrey should have gone first round, I still don't – or had a Dalvin Cook. I still – I don't disregard that he can be a good NFL player. Um, sure. But, I mean, the, 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 the bigger holes on that, <laughs> on that team to me where if I was them, I'd go corner – and then I go second, you know, somebody in the secondary. I mean, uh, someone in the running back position in the second round, and then I'm addressing wide receiver. But instead, they decided to throw all their draft capital at, at running backs, which makes um, just zero sense to me. Right. If they're going to go for Curtis Samuel in the second round, uh, I kind of feel like they should have just taken like Marshawn Lattimore. You know, they should have they should have gone high end cornerback in the first round then if they're going to do that, uh, or vice versa. I agree with that. I mean, I, I don't see. I mean, clearly that secondary has been burnt pretty badly ever since they lost Josh Norman. Last year was a complete disaster. We've talked about this a number of times. Why go with two running backs, particularly because you still have Jonathan Stewart there, who, although is uh, apt to be injured, is still productive. So I, I think that's a little bit strange. Plus, both McCaffrey and Samuel kind of uh, are kind of uh, uh, look like they're going to be more of a pass-catching types, more uh, not really, uh, you know, between the tackle type runners, so it's, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me that you'd want to make a uh, running back by committee with those two guys, um, unless you want to make a three-man running back by committee with Jonathan Stewart, which seems incredibly um, 
seems kind of like a, a silly thing to do with your first two draft picks. All right, well that's it with the Panthers. Let's turn over to the uh, to the other big position that was selected over the late rounds. You know, we, we know about the quarterbacks that were selected early. Um, you know, we, I'm sure you, <laughs> I know how you feel about Trubisky going to the Bears and their really bizarre move to the, to, to the second overall pick. We, uh, we all know about Patrick Mahomes. There's a lot of upside there. Uh, just put out an article about Patrick Mahomes and Kansas City Chiefs. I actually think that's a good, good fit for them uh, and, and a good heir apparent for Alex Smith. And, of course, we all know about Deshaun Watson getting taken as well, and, and that's also, I think, a very solid pick. But let's talk about, before we talk about that, let's talk about some of the other deeper quarterbacks. First of all, Deshaun Kaiser, our boy from Notre Dame, gets picked by the Cleveland Browns in the second round at 52nd overall. Now, he was originally uh, pegged to be a first-round pick. He slipped slowly out of that after his combine performance um, and in a silly statement he made to the press. And basically, Patrick Mahomes really making a big push up the up the uh, draft boards. So, what do you think about that? Deshaun Kaiser going to the Cleveland Browns, 52nd overall. Was it a good deal for the Cleveland Browns? A good pick? Something that you think could develop, or is this the uh, basically the kiss of death for Deshaun Kaiser? Yeah. So, I know it's it's hard it's hard to decide because that's another guy um, who showed flashes, but one of his biggest issues was being inconsistent in college. Um, right. You know, obviously the Browns didn't love him. I think the the best analysis I saw on it is that if the Browns had loved Deshaun Kaiser, they wouldn't have they wouldn't have uh, picked uh, you know passed over him four times and been calling every single team in the league trying to trade for somebody, um, including Jimmy Garoppolo and Kirk Cousins. So they obviously right, didn't love right. him either. Um, but I said this going into the draft and I, about about the Browns, and I think beyond just the first pick, the Browns played it very smart in this draft where they they looked at it and they said. You know, if, if we can't if we can't get the elite quarterback, which I don't believe there is in this draft, um, I think Deshaun Watson's the only one I would say that has a chance to be in my mind. Um, so if you can't get if you can't get an elite quarterback, then you then you bolster the defense. I mean, this is a team that has a that's pretty solid at the running back position with Duke Johnson um, and uh, Crowell, and then you got a, a, a you know they drafted all the what three rookie receivers last year, and I think Corey Coleman right. showed a lot of flash last year, and I love and I think Coleman's going to be a good player, so. I think offensively, skill position-wise, they're set. And then you bolstered that defense with a lot of good young picks early. And then, yeah, you go and get you go and get Deshaun Kaiser because you need a quarterback. So um, I think I think he has a chance to succeed. Uh, you know, all indications are Kaiser. It's it's a mental thing and it's a work ethic thing. That we, right, you know, right. you see the skill sets because or the flashes because he is talented and he is athletic and, and he's capable of making those plays, but. Um, you know, learning how to read defenses, that just comes down to studying. You know, anybody, yep. you know, you'd be the hardest person wor- working in the room. So if Kaiser is ready to make that commitment and, you know, Hugh Jackson is a little bit of a, qu- a quarterback whisperer, you know, I think this could work out. I, but I would – I'd put the line at 55% he won't and 45% he might. So, you know, right, I'm not right. confident in either direction. But uh, I think right. all the overall the draft losses the Browns had this, this draft was, was pretty was pretty set. Yeah, I agree with that. I think they, the Browns did a good job in the draft. I think actually getting Kaiser. So, I mean, there were really only, I, I agree, there were no elite quarterbacks. But up past Kaiser, there really isn't any quarterback that I particularly feel like has the potential to be really good. Uh, you know, raw skill set or whatever you want to call it. Uh, I think Kaiser was the kind of last of that. I mean, there's one other quarterback that I'll mention in a minute that I think might have an outside chance of being kind of a professional NFL quarterback, nothing special, but someone who could be a game manager, an Alex Smith type. Um, 
and Deshaun Kaiser was a good pick, I think, because cause frankly, he's a second round pick. There's no pressure to start him right away. You got Cody Kessler there. He's nothing special, but he can definitely run the offense. Uh, I suspect that they'll let him compete for the starting job, and they'll let him sit behind Cody Kessler until he completely implodes, uh, which might take the entire season. And I think that'd be good for Kaiser to sit there behind behind him the entire season, not get any pressure, because we saw that he did not work well under pressure in college. And uh, the Browns, I mean, that they don't give them, they don't give them a ton <laughs> of weapons. I mean, it's, Corey Coleman does look solid, um, but they don't give him a ton of weapons. So I, I think it'd be good to have, have him kind of sit behind and learn a little bit first before getting there. But I think that's a good fit. Uh, I think that the Browns had nothing to lose in the second round. I, I agree. I don't think they really wanted him, but it was their last chance to get somebody who at least had potential. So let's turn to the other guy, the other quarterback I just mentioned, who I thought is interesting, and that's Nate Peterman out of Pitt. Now, he was selected in the fifth round, 171st overall by the Buffalo Bills, uh, and there the quarterback situation is a little bit uneasy as well. Um, and Nate Peterman, uh, he was solid as a quarterback at Pitt. He had some uh, a little bit of buzz coming into the draft. Uh, people thought he might go a little bit higher, you know, a top three round pick or so. Fifth round, not, not much of a risk there. What do you think about that? What do I think about the Bills taking Nate Peterman? Do you think he could actually grow into the role for them? Yeah, you know, uh, Buffalo is a place where people go to to die. So, um, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't love, uh, you know, going to Buffalo. I think that again, it just seems like you know, just defense first up there, um, which always is frustrating, especially if you're a quarterback, obviously. Um, and then the, the fact that they don't have a ton of weapons. So, I, I, it's not it's not necessarily a referendum on him. Um, he was, a, you know, definitely a, a later round sleeper. Um, that I that I was into, but um, you know, really, really don't have any weapons. And when you, you got yeah, Lashawn McCoy, and then you know they obviously drafted uh, Zay Jones um, in the second round of this draft uh, out yep. of uh, East Carolina, who I think could be a, a decent weapon. But you got Sammy Watkins, Mister, uh, you know, runs the the go route or nothing. Um, and uh, you know, even when he does that, he still has to catch the ball three times because he bobbles it the entire way uh, through the through the catch. So. Um, you got him, and you got Zay Jones, and you got McCoy. So, um, if they if they start making a commitment to stop drafting sec- people in the secondary and in the front the front seven every freaking draft um, in the first round, and actually try to go up and you know since since the Sammy Watkins pick and try to get some more high end talent, um, I think he could develop into a good option for them. Um, you know, obviously I'm not a a huge uh, you know proponent for for the Buffalo Bills front office, but we'll see. We'll, you know, we'll see if this. Uh, if, if he can develop into that, right, right. Um, so just, just the, this essentially just in, by the way, Chad Kelly, quarterback, Old Miss, selected as essentially Mr. Irrelevant. I believe he is now officially the last pick in the draft by the Denver Broncos. Uh, I don't know if you've seen the pictures about this. It's been kind of going around, <laughs> going around uh, ESPN and going around uh, different areas. But he's sitting at home, basically taking a nap on the couch. He looks incredibly depressed with his mom, and nobody else is there basically as he waits for his <laughs> name to be called. Pretty, pretty terrible. He's a nephew, by the way, of uh, former NFL legend Jim Kelly. So, uh, you know, at least he got drafted. <laughs> I don't know if you saw any of that, but yeah, you guys all should I check did. it out. It's a uh, it's a very sad, actually. <laughs> but uh, but Chad yeah, Kelly, yeah. so good good luck to him. <laughs> all right, yeah, he, let he me uh, turn it over to you uh, for a second, Ryan. Bonus, we'll be all set. <laughs> oh, sorry. 
the, the I said, signing I said, bonus. Hey, if he gets even one paycheck, he'll make more than some of us in the next couple of years. So yeah, it'll be all <laughs> well, that's definitely true. Right, and hey, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't mind being, uh, you know, Mister. Anyway, so, um, so t- tell me a little bit about, um, tell me a little bit of what you think. Anything you want to point out from the draft that uh, we haven't talked about yet that you thought was interesting? Yeah, so I had a couple big notes. Um, you know, one of the, you know, just to touch on it, just because we just were talking quarterbacks, um, the guy that I like, kind of a later round guy um, that I thought was actually pretty, or not later round, but outside the top uh, end. Um, I actually do like the 49ers taking C.J. Bethard. Um, I think that has the potential to be a um, a good good solid pick for them. I think he's a little bit more of a pro ready quarterback than some of the other guys coming out. And, and you put him in there with Kyle Shanahan, who's a little bit of a you know an office, offensive genius. Um, I think that could be a good marriage there. So, um, but you know, w- one big thing: um, the, the trades were absolutely crazy. Um, obviously, the first round was probably the most exciting first round we've seen in years. Um, but, yeah. You know, two of the franchises I wanted to really focus on, and then a third one quickly. You know, two of the teams I thought really had some of the best drafts. Um, I know some mixed reviews in some of them, but I thought I thought the Saints had a really, really great draft. Um, you know, obviously taking Marshawn Lattimore nice and early, then Ryan Ramchek to help up solidify the offensive line. Alex is all, uh, ends alone uh, at the linebacker position. I actually really like the, the pick of Elvin Kamara. Um, I also like it because mm-hmm. hopefully it means Adrian Peterson um, ends up getting cut and never gets to play another snap in the NFL again. Um, that, that, that perverted, uh, you know, borderline molester uh, kid beater. Um, so I'm done with him. So hopefully that's what happens there. Um, and then, uh, you know, one guy I talked about in our sleep around draft, the Trey Hendrickson pick. I absolutely love that yeah. pick. Um, I think he has the, the ability to be um, – one of the, the sneakier, better defensive ends taken in this draft. So I thought they did great addressing needs on both sides of the ball, uh, specifically shoring up the offensive line, adding to the run game. Um, and then on the offensive, I mean, on the defensive side, you take a number one corner, you take, you know, take a good pass rusher, and then you take a linebacker. So I think that they had a great draft philosophy. Um, I also love the Eagles draft. I thought taking Derek Barnett was a, was a smart first pick. I know people thought, um, you know, that, that they should have gone the, the Alabama route there. But um, given yeah. the fact that most of you were staying away, you know, I think it's safe to say that the, the shoulder injuries are much more of a, a long-term concern um, than, than initially reported. So, uh, you know, I, and I think Derek Barnett's a good athlete, and I think he's a kind of, you know, a good pass rush specialist um, to pair up in there with uh, Fletcher Cox, and I think that's, that's a great pick. Um, I started to really, really get excited halfway through uh, through night two there when Sidney Jones is still sitting on the boards hoping he'd fall to my Patriots. Um, unfortunately he did not the Eagles snagged him um, you know as me and you have talked about I don't think he'll he'll be very productive this season if at all I think coming in mid-season from an injury like this given the time frame is not unrealistic yep. but as a rookie to miss OTAs mini camps rookie camps to miss all of that and then be expected to be thrown in halfway through in one of the most important positions on a football team um, I just don't believe he's going to have a big impact this year but I still like it um, I'm not down yep. on Razul Douglas like a lot of people. Um, I think I just saw on uh, Sports Nation or uh, or uh, Sports Illustrated they gave him a C minus for that pick. I actually like Razul mm-hmm. Douglas. Um, I think he's a good pair out there. Um, so I think you could see him be like a, you know kind of the third corner in that in that pairing. So I like him a lot. And then the Mac Hollins draft pick, six foot four, two twenty one. I'm not going to say it again, but we know how I feel about big receivers. So I love that yep, pick. We do um, to come add some depth. And then Donnell Pumphrey at running back. Um, you know, I think it's great. And then I think the biggest winner on day one, and this is not going to be a troll um, from the Patriots Twitter, if anyone saw that the Pats putting up there uh, on our first round pick is, and they put up a picture of uh, Brandon Cooks. Um, but the biggest win for the, for the Patriots was 
Marshawn Lattimore fell to the Saints, which means I think the, Mar- uh, the Malcolm Butler rumors are officially over. He's going to play on that tender. And now the Patriots have, uh, have uh, Stephon Gilmore, who's the number one corner, and Malcolm Butler is the number one corner in that, in that secondary. So even though they didn't pick on day one, um, the Saints getting an elite corner in the draft made it so the Patriots probably aren't going to, you know, uh, trade trade uh, Butler anymore. So that secondary is going to even get, be better than it was last year. So that was uh, that was uh, that was a very big uh, moment for me. Uh, I was very excited to see the Saints take a lot of more. Yeah, no, I but it actually is a good fit for the Saints too. Just just uh, take take the Balcom Butler uh, out of this. It's actually great great pick for them. Actually, really solid. Could step right in and really help that secondary right off the bat. So I think that that was actually a really solid pick by them. And I will also mention, and I know you like you like big body receivers. This is the guy I mentioned in our in our kind of deep picks, uh, deep. Uh, draft picks uh, segment uh, two weeks ago. Uh, Amara Darbo um, from Michigan was selected by the Seahawks at the end of the third round at 106 overall. Uh, I think that's going to be that's fantastic. They they could use a yeah, big-bodied receiver there in Seattle. And, uh, you know, the guy is six foot two, 215 pounds, 32 and 58 inches arm length. Uh, he has 4.45 40-yard dash. I mean, he is fast and big, and that's what they need. They need some sort of they need some strength out there on the offense. Uh, they kind of lost that. They don't. I mean, you, you, I mean, that's another thing against Doug Baldwin or any of those other guys, Tyler Lockett. But they're not big, fast guys. And uh, I think Darbo can be give a, a nice uh, a nice target for Russell Wilson next year. I think he can step in right away and be a number two receiver out there in Seattle. Uh, and then I will also mention George Kittle again, uh, the tight end that I really really like from Iowa. He ended up going to the 49ers in the fifth round at 146 overall. Love him. He's he plays a lot of pro style. He's great at blocking. He's a great move tight end as well. He's the third fastest 40 yard dash speed among tight ends at the combine at 4.52. You know, I just I lo- I really like this kid and I think he's going to be great there. I think he'll slot right in. He has a lot. He's in the midst of a rebuilding there. I don't know what he's going to get, but he's going to get a lot of opportunity if nothing else. So uh, those two really popped up to me as well. Uh, I will mention one other thing and get to get your thoughts on it. And I know you, you I know you're going to hate it, but the fact is that the Bears ended up, my Bears ended up drafting many many guys outside of Division One football. They decided to draft three guys that did not play Division One football. That's tight end Adam Shaheen uh, in the second round. He he played D2. And uh, running back Tarek Cohen, who uh, played uh, at FCS uh, North Carolina A&T, and Jordan Morgan in the fifth round, who's uh, also a D2 player. So, I mean, what do you think about that? Is that getting um, is that smart looking outside of D1 for good talent, or is that just getting too cute? Oh, it's way too cute. It's way overthinking it. Um, you know, I just I don't know what the Bears <laughs> this draft. Um, <laughs> It's not even that I don't like Mitchell Trubisky, but to give away the draft capital you did to go up and get Trubisky is just yeah, but absolutely insane. And then to follow it up with, with outside of Division One, uh, you know, a slew of picks there, and it's just you know I know everyone said that you know it was more about the the moving up was more about preventing another team from making that move, but it's Mitch Trubisky. If you don't get him, you don't get him. Like oh my God, what do you? Hey, the absolute fleece by by John Lynch. People worried about John Lynch. I think they should be worried about what's going on in Chi Town. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, well I you know the fact of the matter is, yeah. Well, John Fox actually didn't know about that until three hours before the draft. So head coach of your that, team doesn't even know that Mitch Trubisky was going to be the guy until three hours before you know the draft started. So that's it's pretty clear. 
that um, that John Fox might be on his way out too. <laughs> Who knows what's going to happen over there? No, no, that's, but this no, that's is, always this, a good sign when you're uh, when your GM and your and your head coach aren't on the same page. That's, that's right, right. Clearly that's not. Yeah, kind of a real cohesive unit. Yeah, that, that's, that's right. Exactly. <laughs> so, and I can say I'll I'll say this though about the the guys they picked. They are all outside of D one, but I do like the guys they took a swing on. I mean, they're all really solid players. But the the fact that they're gonna have to step up into much heavier competition in the NFL, and particularly in the second round, taking a tight end um, that played D two football. I don't care how many how many uh, how many records he set. It just doesn't seem like a safe pick for me. And maybe they're trying to make up for the fact they lost all those picks to move up to get Trubisky by trying to hit lightning in the bottle. But that's just too many lottery tickets for me. All right. With that said, any last thoughts about the 2017 NFL draft? We're actually running down to the end of our time. Yeah, absolutely. The last thing I wanted to touch on was the the Jets going Adams and Hooker in the first two. Um, picks uh, mind-blowingly stupid um, it, it took the second safety that they took to come off the board for people to actually lose their minds like I did in the first round because everyone was really patting them on the back you know I said it going into the draft <laughs> I'll say it coming out um, you know I can't remember the last time I heard somebody say hey we're going to really build this defense around our strong safety um, I think the last <laughs> right. time was like 1997 when that position was still relevant in the NFL the Pats just won right. two <laughs> in three years with Patrick Chung as their as their strong safety so um, just a stupid pick, and then they uh, they doubled down on the second round. So we're going to do it again. Um, if yep. you, you know, if, if you look at it individually, you know, the easiest question I can ask you is: Would you rather have Marshawn Lattimore, or would you rather have Adams? You know, everyone's right. going to well, take Marshawn Lattimore. He's, yeah, he's without doubt, do, he's going to do more for a defense. And I, and I know Adams is a great leader, great kid. Um, so I wish him well. But I hope uh, in you know three or four years, when that contract's up, he bounces out of New York and finds a better home. Yep, most definitely. All right. Well, we're out of time here, so follow us on Twitter and follow us on Instagram and check out the website, footballgarbagetime.com. We've got much more uh, material coming out for you. Until next time, uh, enjoy the rest of your NFL week, but we're going to be checking in and see how all these guys kind of fit in in our, next, uh, in our next program, and we'll get back to some more historical stuff. All right, so uh, have a good one, and everybody enjoy the rest of your weekend. Hey, Hakan, make sure you check out Game 1. Ha, ha, ha.